Blog Talk Radio. Ben Shapiro, and this is Reality Check. Everything you know about Michael Brown's a lie. The media, the politicians, the race baiters, they all told you the story of an innocent, young, unarmed black teen, the gentle giant, murdered in cold blood by a vicious white cop representing the evil establishment. Al Sharpton, who's always the first guy on the scene when a black person is killed by a white guy, or in the case of St. Trayvon of the Blessed Hoodie, a white Hispanic, described Good evening, folks. I'm Dr. C. Robert Jones. Today's date is November 25th, 2014. United States of America, planet Earth, third planet from the sun. Tonight, I want to be real with you. I mean non-politically correct pre-1980s real. We're going to talk tonight. We're going to talk about the facts. First, I'd like for you to listen to um, a good friend of mine. Uh, His name is Bill Shapiro, and he has a website called truerevolt.org. And he's got a video that I began playing, but uh, crapped out on me. So I'd like to start it again, try again, see if we can get it going. 
and uh and then we'll then we'll have a chat and tonight we're going to talk about Ferguson we're going to talk about Officer Darren Wilson and we're going to talk about Mr. Michael the late Mr. Michael Brown yeah we're going to get into it we're going to talk about it we're going to deal with it but like I said, tonight, tonight we're going to get real. Tonight. Three days after Michael Brown Jr. was killed, we had a major rally in this very church. We said that night, with his parents present, that we had little to no faith in the grand jury by the local district attorney. We said that night that we wanted the federal government to come in. That Sunday we had a unity rally where thousands came and joined us. We repeated it, and all the way through the funeral where I eulogized Last night, the appearance by the district attorney made it clear to everyone why we had little faith in a state prosecution. I've been out involved in civil rights all my life. We have seen cases go ways that we felt were right and ways that we felt was wrong. I've never seen a prosecutor hold a press conference to discredit the victim, where he went out of his way to go point by point in discrediting Michael Brown, Jr., who could not defend himself. How do you, in explaining why you are not indicting a man that killed, try and convict a young man for shoplifting? They can't explain the tape. Try to convict him for interfering in the police car when you don't hear his side of the story. Have you ever heard a prosecutor go in a press conference to explain to the press why the one that did the killing is not going to trial, but the victim is guilty of several things that no one has established? Then, to go further than that, he takes his time to methodically try and discredit the witnesses. Witnesses that will still be needed going forward in the ongoing federal investigation and if there are civil proceedings. What is the purpose of Mr. McCullough trying to undermine the credibility of the witnesses, undermine the credibility of the victim? still has not explained to us how you have a man on the force that feels like he's a child up against Hulk Hogan. So what kind of training and policing do you do? And still has not explained the original altercation began over what in the first place and why he in turn fired the fatal shot. Let us not forget, the only one that makes a presentation in the grand jury is the prosecutor. Yep. There is no cross-examination. So for him to talk about inconsistencies is unchallenged because there's no one representing the other side to come and cross-examine what he put up. What may sound inconsistent is only responding to what was asked. If there was two sides, then maybe some of the gaps would have been filled. But when you have the attitude of a prosecutor that feels it is his duty to go out of his way to try and discredit a young teenager that can't speak for himself, 
then America saw why we said from day one the federal government needs to step in to protect the rights of Michael Brown, Jr., and to protect the rights of the citizens. It also was very strange to us that he lectured the media, a media that he and others had no problem when you leaked the videotape of Michael Brown in the, in the cigar store or in the convenience store, a media that you had no problem leaking all kind of favorable stuff for the prosecution, a media you had no problem leaking things for the officer. So it seems to me that he has had the use of the media, then has a strange decision in a town that has been tense, in a town that has been forecast to have all kinds of problems, his solution is, let's announce it at night after dark. <laughs> let's make sure that all the kids are home, that all of the students are back for Thanksgiving break, and it's dark outside. And we're going to announce it, and then I'm going to get up in the dark and castigate the character of Michael Brown Jr. I think that it was irresponsible. Yeah, yeah. I think that it was unnecessarily provocative. Yeah. But I think it only cleared why many of us said, let's go to the federal government from the first place. Right. He implied last night that the federal government and the state investigation ran hand in hand and ended last night. That is not the case. The Attorney General has released a statement saying the federal government investigation continues in the killing and in the review. And Mr. McCullough's statements last night are led others to believe differently. Let me be very clear that we were not surprised at what the outcome was. Certainly it is painful for the mother and father. Certainly there will be emotional reactions. I've never seen a case where there wasn't. You're dealing with their flesh and blood. But let the record be clear. You have broken our hearts, but you have not broken our backs. We, we are going to continue to pursue justice. And this is not a Ferguson problem. There's a grand jury about a week or two away from deciding the chokehold case in New York. There's a 12-year-old that was just killed by police in Cleveland. This is a problem all over the country. Right now, 12 noon, all over the country, people are marching and gathering in front of federal courthouses, National Action Network, NAACP, National Urban League, all of our members are coming out, empowerment. Uh, movement today, other Saturday, we'll be all over the country. We will continue to fight for a new level of accountability of policing in this country. <laughs> Michael Brown will not be remembered for the ashes from buildings burned in Ferguson. He will be remembered for new legislation and the upholding of law that protects citizens in the country. Let me also remind you, for over 100 days, young people, older people, people of all races marched and rallied in this city. And they did it peacefully and nonviolently. Yes, those that got Violent last night, those that acted in a destructive manner does not represent the spirit of Michael Brown. It was those young people, those old people that stood no matter what the weather for over 103 days that kept going. Those are the ones that have stood for Michael Brown. They're on Brown's side. Those that burn are on their own side. If you're on Michael Brown's side, you walk with dignity. If you're on Michael Brown's side, you stand up with pride and call to uphold the law. If you do anything to harm others, 
You're on your own side. You're not on Brown's side. We are on the side of Michael Brown to fight for what is right. Don't lower those standards. In, in that light, we also question how you have grand juries now that are trial juries. The use of a grand jury is to find out if there is probable cause to go to trial. You do not have a grand jury to decide on the guilt or innocence of the accused. You only decide, is there enough to go for You have a deceased body, Tristan their accusations, he contradicts them, it goes to trial. The fact that last night the prosecutor was not announcing whether there was probable cause, he was announcing the acquittal of the officer because he tried him rather than investigate him. And that is a miscarriage and a misuse of the grand jury system. Let's be real clear what we saw. We also, in that light, Mark Morial and National Urban League was present. Cornell Brook, Dr. Brook, president of NAACP, Melanie Campbell of Black Leadership Roundtable Women, and Pamela Mays of the National Bar Association, and I have called an emergency civil rights leadership meeting in Washington, D.C. next week. In that meeting, Reverend Jamal Bryant, Empowerment Temple, in an that meeting we will determine a ongoing strategy meeting. that will include mass and regular marches, legislation, and economic boycotts. We will not turn around. We want you to know that we will have the right. leading activists, civil for that. rights activists in... Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's enough of that. Let's get down to facts now. Let's talk about facts. Let's listen to facts. My guy and yours, Ben Shapiro of TrueRevolt.org. Well, my thought we had been, maybe we don't. (laughs) Here we go. Al Sharpton, who's always the first guy on the scene when a black person is killed by a white guy, or in the case of Trayvon of the Blessed Hoodie, a white Hispanic, described Brown as a, quote, gentle giant as well. Over at Daily Coast, a writer described Brown thusly, a big guy who his family called their gentle giant built to be a high school football player direct from central casting, but... Mike was too timid for the sport. According to friends and family, he had never been in a fight in his life. CNN, the Daily Mail, all of them called him a gentle giant. And the man who deprived the world of this gentle giant was, of course, Officer Darren Wilson. Originally, we were told that Wilson shot Brown from behind after pulling over the gentle giant for walking in the middle of the street, a situation President Obama would later term walking while black. Supposedly, Wilson pulled the six foot five, 289 pound Brown through his driver's side window, but Brown then escaped and ran away from this mad emissary of police brutality. Wilson then allegedly shot the fleeing Brown from behind, at which point the unarmed Brown turned around, raised his hands in the universal sign of surrender, and perished in a hail of bullets. Here's the reality all of this was a lie. The first crack in the myth of St. Michael, the gentle giant, came in the form of a security tape taken just minutes before the fatal confrontation with Officer Wilson. According to police reports, the gentle giant, who had never been in a fight and was too timid to play football, grabbed a small attendant and slammed him into a display case. He also stole a box of Swisher Sweets, which are cheap cigars. The next crack in the St. Michael story, the New York Times reported that Michael Brown was, quote, no angel. The report explained he dabbled in drugs and alcohol, which presumably is why he stole Swisher Sweets, since Swisher Sweets are routinely used to smoke pot. Indeed, Brown's system was chock full of THC during the incident with Officer Wilson. Autopsy later showed. The New York Times report also explained that Brown had, quote, taken to rapping in recent months, producing lyrics that were by turns contemplative and vulgar. 
Well, here's a sampling of Brown's music called by Gateway Pundit. My favorite part is when they bodies hit the ground. I soak them up like I'm wringing out a sponge. Talking down, make me shoot off your whole tongue. The words of the Blessed Saint. The media and politicians cried bloody murder when this information began to tarnish the candlelit altar they'd built for St. Michael. Just because Brown had strong-armed robbed the convenience store while high and cut some vile rap videos didn't mean he deserved to be shot, which of course was true. But the rest of the mythical tale of the martyrdom of Michael Brown quickly began falling apart as well. Officer Wilson's side of the story began to come out in dribs and drabs. After pulling Brown over, Wilson said, Wilson tried to get out of his car. Brown then shut the door on him and pushed himself through the driver's side window. He went for Wilson's weapon, whereupon Wilson fired the gun in the vehicle. Brown ran. Wilson chased him. Brown then turned around and charged Wilson, whereupon Wilson shot him several times. According to the Washington Post, quote, more than a half dozen unnamed black witnesses have provided testimony that supports Wilson's account of the events. Blood spatter analysis, shell casings, and ballistic tests also support Wilson's account of the shooting, the Post sources said. Now, a new autopsy report revealed by the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, which, by the way, was the same newspaper that originally turned Brown a gentle giant, showed that Brown's body had a graze wound on his thumb. The wound contained matter, quote, consistent with products that are discharged from the barrel of a firearm. That can only happen at close range. So close, in fact, that there was no stippling, a patterning of gunpowder that won't appear within an inch of the gun barrel. In other words, as San Francisco medical examiner Dr. Judy Melanick said, quote, this guy's reaching for the gun. The autopsy backs up the altercation at the car as well. Brown's skin was found on the exterior of the vehicle. CNN reports that blood from Michael Brown was found on Wilson's uniform, police car, and gun. The autopsy even shows Brown wasn't shot with his hands up. According to the autopsy report, the gunshot wound to Brown's upper dorsal right arm demonstrated that the direction of the shot was slightly upward, backward, and leftward. That means, according to Melanick, the shot traveled from the back of the arm to the inner arm, which means Brown's palms could not have been facing Wilson. The rage continues, of course, because facts don't matter when myths have already taken root. Benjamin Crump, the Brown family lawyer, he was also the family lawyer for the Martin family, he said that family and supporters will not be persuaded by the autopsy report or eyewitness statements, according to the Washington Post. And, of course, the local politicians have pledged the evidence won't change anything either. Meanwhile, the disciples of Michael Brown pay tribute to his gentle giantness by fighting over how to capitalize on supposed martyrdom. Michael Brown's mother, Leslie McSpadden, reported got into a fight with Brown's grandmother and cousin when she found them selling Michael Brown merchandise. The altercation ended, apparently, with another unnamed person smacking Brown's cousin in the face with a pipe or a pole, resulting in his hospitalization. The suspect then stole a box from the scene containing some $1,400. But never mind, the legacy of Michael Brown, gentle giant, will on. Another martyr has joined the racial testament, another fake black mark on white racist police forces everywhere. And the left's aggressive construction of the myth of St. Michael the Gentle Giant ensures that more young black men will see peace as the enemy, that confrontations will escalate, and that the left will have many more future opportunities to add to their perverse canon. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel or click here to give a quick donation. All right. We're back with the Dr. C. Robert Jones Situation Report with me, your host, Dr. C. Robert Jones. That was my main man, Ben Shapiro, a good friend of mine. And uh, check out his website on truerevolt.org. I want to get real with you right now before I bring on my main man and homie from Chicago, Illinois, Sarge. I want to get real with you right here and right now. You know, a lot of you know me as that former... Marine officer, that retired Marine officer, retired Marine colonel, and a Ph.D. from the College of William and Mary. And there have been some chatter on Facebook and Twitter that I'm not really black, that I'm lily white, that I I reside in a fine neighborhood in uh, Georgia and uh, Virginia and Florida, I've got three homes, I've got this, I've got that. I'm not black enough that I've lost touch with my people, that I'm sucking up to white people, and on and on and on, all day long today, I've been inundated with texts and Facebook posts and tweets. Let me let me just break it down for you and let's be real right here and now. 
I am from the south side of Chicago. My mother was a true welfare queen, things squared away. I lived at 41st and State, 4120, on the sixth floor, apartment 602. I lived in the same building of Robert Taylor Holmes as Bernie Mac and Mr. T. All three of us lived in the same building. I know, I'm know i not saying I knew the guys because I didn't. But we all came from the same place on the south side of Chicago. Robert Taylor Holmes. Those of you who are from Chicago know exactly what I'm talking about. The projects. Good times. Remember the series Good Times? That's Caprini Greens, but they're the same projects, the same housing projects. That's where I came from. So to imply that I'm not black enough, yeah, I'm black enough, baby. I'm so black that I still call myself black. I'm not African American. That's the new generation of folks, black people. Yeah. I'm still black. And what I'm about to tell you right now is the real deal. Mr. Michael Brown was a thug. He was a hoodlum. He was destined to either spend his the rest of his life in jail, in and out, or dead. He was a bad dude. He was not a nice guy. Did he deserve to die? I don't know. But he was a bad dude. He robbed a store, roughed up the, the store owner, walked out, and then proceeded to walk his black ass down the middle of a street attracting attention to himself. At this point, at the very least, he's a moron. Cop asked him to move over to the sidewalk. He refuses to move over to the sidewalk. And then assault the cop. The cop shoots him dead. End of story. No, it's not the end of the story. This guy was trouble. He was no saint. And you know what? Guys like me, from 41st and State, 4120, same place as Mr. T, same place, same building. It's Bernie Mac. We've known guys like this forever. Bad dudes. This guy was no saint. He was no saint. He was destined to be where he is right now. And those are the cold hard facts. And Al Sharpton... And Jesse's been MIA. We haven't heard from him, have we? But Al is out there making this guy out to be some sort of a saint, a young man, just out minding his business. No, he was a thug, he was a hoodlum, and he was just plain no damn good. And that's the bottom line. Now, did he deserve to die? Only God can say that. But when you attack a police officer and try to take his weapon, you deserve to get your ass shot. You deserve it. You go around robbing stores. You go around being trying to be a badass. You get what you get. Let's keep it real. Let's be honest right here and now. Did he deserve to die? I don't know. Frankly, I don't care. I don't care about Michael Brown. Michael Brown was a waste. It was clear from the very beginning of the story. And his mama was crying. She broke down during the funeral. They all do that. They all do that. Stand on the corner of 85th, 86th. No, no, no. No, no, no. 88, 89. 
Gatlin Brothers. Gatlin Brothers Funeral Home on 80-something in Halstead. I forget the exact street. Stand out there any given Friday, Saturday, or Sunday, and you see the same mamas crying for their babies. Oh, my baby. He's gone. He didn't deserve to die. The hoodlum was a thug. He was robbing and stealing and shooting and murdering and selling drugs. He was no damn good. Where were you, Mom, while he was doing all this? And now that he's dead, killed at the hands of yet another black man, not a cop, where were you? Now you're now you're now you're crying. Now you're all upset, just like Michael Brown's mama. Where were, where was she when her son was robbing that store or walking down the middle of the street, attracting all kinds of attention to himself? Where was his no good mama? Because I firmly believe that if your child turns out to be a piece of shit then that means you didn't do your job and you're worse than he is. Because you brought him into this world and you didn't do your job. And now he's selling drugs, robbing stores, harassing police, got his ass knocked off. It's not the cop's fault. It's yours. Because your son was no damn good. He was a wasted life destined to spend a lot of time in the big house or where he is right now, dead. Saving the taxpayer quite a bit of jack. Now, we've kept it real. The call-in number is 347-884-8500. Yeah. We kept it real this time. Dude was no damn good. And more, we got a whole bunch of no damn good folks running around. But yet, on Facebook, on Twitter, and such, I'm being labeled as a sellout, an Uncle Tom, and so on and so forth. Because guess what? I left my hood. Just like Bernie. Just like Mr. T. Except I didn't seek fortune and fame on the big screen, on the small screen, etc. I chose the military and the United States Marine Corps. Instead of going that way, yes, my mom was dirt poor. But she taught us appropriate values and that we should seek to better our circumstances. And I took my mom's advice. Where was Michael Brown's mama? She's all over TV right now, crying, whining for her baby, the gentle giant. Well, mom, your son Michael Brown is dead. And guess who's to blame? Not society, not, no, 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 not Officer Darren Woodson. You're to blame, Mrs. Brown, because you didn't do your job. And guess what? There's so much more. There is so much more. Al Sharpton spoke, making... Mr. Brown out to be a messiah of sorts. Well, we'll take a short break. We'll come back and we'll get to the phones. You're listening to the Dr. C. Robert Jones Situation Report. Hello and welcome to How Smart Is Your President? A game show testing the intelligence of President Barack Obama. And now, here's your host, 
Geeky Rock! Thank you, thank you. You are too kind, thank you. Hello, everybody, and welcome to How Smart Is Your President? A game show testing the intelligence of President Barack Obama. And, of course, here's our guest, here's our player. Let's everybody welcome President Barack Hussein Obama. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. We want to thank you for hanging out with us. Welcome to How Smart Is Your President? Testing the Intelligence of President Barack Obama. Our player for today, of course, the President of the United States, Barack Hussein Obama. Now, we went over the rules backstage. The game is very simple. We're going to ask you a series of questions, and you hit the fancy-smancy buzzer to answer the question. And we're going to start off right now. Question number one. How many states make up the United States of America? Uh, I've now been in 57 states. I think one left to go. Sorry, Mr. President. The answer to the question is 50. 50 states make up the United States of America. Next question. Name one European country. Compared to countries like Europe? Sorry, Mr. President. Europe is not a country. Sorry. Uh, Next question. What is one of the treatments for asthma? A breathalyzer. Or an inhalator. Not a breathalyzer. Sorry, Mr. President. You meant to say inhaler. Inhaler was the answer that you were looking for. All right. Next question. Okay. As the President of the United States of America... Recite for me the First Amendment of the United States Constitution. The, uh, I, I guess, I, hold on a second. So, so, uh, so all I'm, all, all, all I, I'm sorry, wait, 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 don't, don't, don't start, don't, hold on. Sorry, Mr. President, time's up. The First Amendment of the United States Constitution states as follows. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, or abridging the freedom of speech, or of the press, or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances, something that you clearly know nothing about. Anyways, moving on, last and final question, Mr. President. Name the Mexican holiday in the month of May. The Cinco de Cuatro. Sorry, Mr. President, that was the wrong answer. You said four of five. The answer to the question is Cinco de Mayo, the 5th of May. That is the correct answer, and you are wrong again. Well, that's all the time that we have, folks. I want to thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Catch us next time when we play How Smart Is Your President? Testing the Intelligence of President Barack Obama. I'm your host, G.C. Rock, and I'm out of here. Peace out, y'all.
I never had to go through nothing like this. So none of y'all know me, but I don't do nothing to nobody. Anybody say so, they a lie. They a damn lie. Burn this bitch down. That's what he said. He said, burn this bitch down. Mama crying. Your phone is Saying she ain't never done nothing to nobody. Except not raise her child properly in order to behave like a responsible young man. She didn't do that. Her child was no good, Nick. Destined for the jailhouse or where he is. And now she's crying. Folks, once again, I am from the south side of Chicago. I have seen this dozens of times. The child is a thug. A hoodlum. He ain't no damn good. Mama knows he ain't no good. She didn't do her job. Guess what? He's dead. Gatlin Brothers, funeral home, AR League, on the east side, every week. There's another one. Another one bites the dust. And guess what? Mama, she's ubiquitous, and she's crying and bawling. Oh, my baby. Oh, no. My baby's dead. They killed my baby. Where were you? Where were you, Mom? Why weren't you doing your job? Why weren't you handling your parental business? Now, you blaming Whitey. Because even if a black person kills another black person, the black folks are going to blame Whitey. No money for schools. No no free food. No free this. No free that. They owe us. They didn't give us what they owe us. So now my child's in the grave. I don't have any compassion for that woman. And I don't have any compassion for Michael Brown. And yeah, it sounds harsh. And I know it. But you know what? Thousands of Michael Browns out there. And there are thousands of Michael Browns mama. And guess what? They ain't no damn good either. And it's unfortunate. And it's sad. But I told you tonight we're going to keep it real. And we have. Let's bring in my man Sarge. Wonder what he has to say about all this. Sarge, you're on with the Dr. Steve Robert Jones situation report. Doc, yep, Doc, you know what? It may have been, Doc, it, look, it may have been, uh, you may have come from the projects, and a lot of good people do come from the projects, such as you, but you also came from the projects and you became an officer and a gentleman by act of Congress, and that's something to note. Many others have done that too. Many others. But you Indeed. know what I think the next. Yeah, you know what I think the next likely action 
of the racial industrial complex and Democrat Party is going to be. Talk it's going to be it. the third endangered species act of 2015. And in this act, they're going to say that endangered thugs, the people we designate as endangered thugs, should be immune from any sudden shock or the consequence of any action they take because we have deemed them a protected species. Now, I don't know about you, Doc, but I never knew thugs were an endangered species in the black community or any other for that matter. But I guess that's about to take place. Just you mark my words. It's happening. Mm-hmm. But you know, man, I mean, I, I rarely beheld. You know, other than the outrage of the usurper in the White House actually being allowed to take office. Anything more outrageous, I thought, I thought they hit the heights with Trayvon Martin and George Zimmerman. I thought that was yeah. the height of it. I didn't think you could get any worse. But now it's gotten worse. Now we behold Mike Brown and Ferguson. It is beyond bloody belief what they are doing, what they are saying. I have seen elected state officials. This one preacher named, I think, Marie Annette. Nadal or something like that? Yes, yes, indeed. And this woman actually talked about, this is our race war. And she wasn't lamenting it. She was speaking as though she welcomed it, and she was glad it was about to occur. This is an elected official who took an oath of office to uphold the Constitution. And this woman is speaking like one of the worst little, you know, I mean, I'm I'm calling it Mike Brown shirtism, Doc. Mike Brown yeah. shirtism. They're trying to elevate this thug to the status of a Nazi horse vessel. I ain't going for it. He ain't like them little four girls in Birmingham who got blown up by the nutcase Klansman in 19, what, 62? Or so. Yeah. No, that's not what he is. He was a criminal. By all the evidence indicating he was a criminal who was attempting to disarm a police officer, more likely than not with the intention to shoot him with it. Oh, and no then doubt. instead of surrendering, when the police officer went after him, he apparently turned back around with the same intent to disarm that police officer, who had already felt his power in the form of a punch to the face and who knows what other blows, and had already received a graze wound to his thumb as he attempted to disarm the police officer, but apparently he didn't learn his lesson. So rather than surrender, and the officer said, hey, oh, hell no. I'm not taking a chance that this big brown bear is going to disarm me this time. So he shot him. What is the problem? An ordinary case of police self-defense jammed into this circus atmosphere, this atmosphere of intimidation, extortion, by a racial industrial complex lynch mob intent upon lynching a police officer. This is disgraceful. And we don't need to apologize or anything. I'm through with this fake phony condolences. I'm sick of these people. I think they mean to have a war, so let it begin here. No, uh, you know what? No, no, no doubt. But you know, here's the thing: Al Sharpton, all of these people who are engaging in this serious race baiting, and they know this guy was bad news. We, just like you and me, who are both black, know this guy was bad news. I We know. They know, too. They know, too, Sarge. They know the guy was bad news. They're using this guy. They're, they're basically stepping over his dead corpse in order to get some airtime, in order to get some attention, in order to promote themselves. They're promoting but, themselves. They're filling their coffers. Go on. But, Doc, isn't it amazing they would pick such a paradigm as this guy? This guy. They'd pick him. they picked him. A man, by the way, on all that stuff we, we talk about, of course, the infamous video of him, you know, uh, stealing the Swisher Sweets. But we leave out the fact there were charges pending against him in St. Louis County for burglary, which, of course, we will never be able to resolve now since he's dead and he will not stand trial. And we'll never hear the charges in open court. Speaking of, you know, since these people are so worried about charges against Officer Wilson, but now we'll never know what was the case with this man who'd been arrested for burglary in St. Louis County. There were pending charges against him for that. No doubt. And and, and poor Officer Officer Wilson, his career is over. He's done. He's He's got to leave town. He's got to move out of the community. He's got to go somewhere else. 
I mean, I'm just guessing, but I know his career's open. He can't stay a police officer, and they've already been talking about that all day. You know, I mean, it does. Oh, no it, yeah. And you know, and 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 he excuse me, he's he's got enough integrity to not want to endanger his fellow officers. That is admirable. And the man is doing it because you know, look, he says, okay, I'm at risk. I see no reason to endanger further than people I got to work with because it's going to be bad enough. They're going to have enough trouble now without people out there who might be gunning for me. And I, yeah, it is a tragedy, but the tragedy isn't that a police officer is forced to use deadly force to defend his life and uh, uh, um, concurrently to defend the public safety. That's what he did. None of this would have happened. The only reason that officer came up to Mike Brown in the first place was to enforce an ordinance in Ferguson that you may not walk in the public roadway if the sidewalk is available. It's an ordinance in Ferguson. <laughs> That's what he wants. It is full of sovereign. If he had immediately complied instead of mother beeping him, he probably wouldn't even notice anything until a flash came over the radio saying, hey, he just had a strong arm lobby. This guy just fit the description, but he probably wouldn't have gotten it right then. No, he, he wouldn't have gotten it right then. Ordinance, a simple traffic ordinance. And this fool being addled probably on uh, uh, THC, you know, and, and, and by the way, there is no way to exactly predict how any two individuals with different physiognomies, different uh, metabolic reactions are going to react to any intoxic. So people mm-hmm. say, well, mm-hmm. people, I know he didn't lace it with something like PCP or angel dust, which makes you aggressive. You know, I mean, but again, no matter what, there's no precise way to quantify how people react to any intoxicant or any stimulant or any any um uh, anything of that sort. So to say that that wouldn't have made him more violent, you simply cannot know that unless you know him personally under the influence. Exactly. So the thing of it is, is that his man. I, I'm convinced, no matter what, his brain was addled. His brain was addled, and uh, uh, as a result. As a result of his adult brain, he couldn't make a, a, a rational decision, and it led to him attacking that police officer. I don't see any other way you can possibly do it. There, there is no way. But what, the thing is, the 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 galling disingenuousness of all of these folks out here protesting. They know this. They know. They know what you and I know. I mean, why are they pretending that this was a good guy? He was not a good guy. Okay, I mean, you got to remember, Doc, you've, you've pointed it out many times. The racial industrial complex has an agenda. Their agenda yeah. is to keep racial grievances inflamed. They figure this is a convenient opportunity to do it. They know that the black man is a target rich environment for this sort of thing, and they are taking advantage of it. That's what they're doing. It's no mystery to why they're doing this. This, no, I mean, I anything that's easier to figure out than why this uh, 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 situation in Ferguson, Missouri, has been inflamed to the extent that it has been. They want to take advantage of it. They want to foster uh, a grievance, and they're doing so. And, uh, and, you know, and they're able to do it with this toxic stool of real grievance, imagined grievance, hyped-up grievance, made-up grievance, all of it in this awful, awful you know, uh, a prevaricating stew that we saw coming uh, uh, to effect last night. It's no doubt. I've, never seen, I've, never, I've rarely seen worse. No, 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 no doubt. No doubt, Sarge. And I don't know what's going to happen later on tonight. You know, if there's going to be more going on. I'm not in front of the television, obviously. But, you know, from what I've heard and from what Al Sharpton has said and some of the other so-called, quote, leaders, end quote, it's not over. It's not over yet, you know. So we're gonna. Yeah, it's just of course it's just the beginning until the next just the beginning until the next guy. Which might I mean when when you think about it, I mean these things. Uh, you know, it's like once every you know five or ten years something like this happens, and they're and and then they'll make it out to be like it's a it's an everyday occurrence where a white cop shoots a, a, a you know a black uh, a, a black person and, and President Obama he had, he didn't help he didn't help matters last night frankly he was eloquent 
you know, he was composed, but he didn't help matters. He didn't, you know, and and a lot of folks are saying, you know, even a lot of conservatives are applauding, you know, his his Please. presence last night. But I wasn't because I thought a lot of it was just, it was was backhanded. Doc, he was paper overing this thing. He wasn't trying to add anything meaningful to it. It was pro forma. It was perfunctory. It had nothing really to do with registering the depth of the of the commitment a real chief executive would do for the rule of law. His actions, as I said, were just pro forma. They were, you know, at the best, the minimum you expect to say. He didn't have to be inflammatory, but he had to let know in no uncertain terms, which his words were at times tenuous. He had to let know in no uncertain terms the rule of law will be upheld, like Eisenhower and Little Rock. Eisenhower was kind of reluctant, by the way, to enforce the federal court order at Little Rock, Arkansas. But he was unambiguous and his determination that the rule of law would be upheld. And he made it clear the reason he was committing federal troops to the, to the effort was to ensure that would be so. You didn't get exactly. that from Obama last night, did you? I know I didn't. No, 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 no. Of course I know not. I didn't. Of course not, because he... That's, he, the he that's the difference. That's the difference. Mm-hmm. That's the you're, difference. You're, you're, you're right, Sarge. You're absolutely right. Um, unfortunately, we are, we are, we're out of time. The show's almost over. We got to check out of here. It is so glad to hear you, Sarge. I'm glad you're back. I mean, you've probably been back. It's probably me that's been away, but, um, you know, it's good to hear your voice. Hey, I left my number. Give me a call, man, because uh, last time we chatted, we were supposed to meet uh, for lunch downtown. So I had call- for a little range time, remember? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah you know how many rounds of ammo I've accumulated for practice? I've got thousands, thousands of five, five, six NATO man. We can put them down range, and boom! I got to find a hundred yards, hundred yard indoor range that we can put them rounds <laughs> down range. Let's do that, man. Okay. You got my number. Call hey, me. Man, I'm out. Remember, five, five, six NATO. I got all right. Sixty-two grand, sixty-five grand, seventy-nine. Hey, we can all do it, man. It's time to do it. Let's get this done. This animal's sick in a closet. Call me, man. I'm out. Uh, All right. All right. I want to thank everybody for listening, especially Sarge. He does really uh, liven up a show. I'm so glad to hear his voice. Uh, I want to thank everybody for listening. There are so many things you could be doing, but you chose to come in and listen to my show or to download it. I have a little over half a million downloads since 2010 when I started this show in August of 2010. Thank you guys for listening. Good night. Be back tomorrow.